like have something on in the background so I don't feel lonely <laughs> um and I've been turning on say yes to the dress because I'm like oh maybe it'll like it's something I don't have to actually watch and I can just like glance up and I can be like and you can listen to all the drama yeah you don't have to, well like, watch. I think it's more I'm like oh like I'm trying to figure out what kind of wedding dress I want so maybe it'll give mm-hmm. me like ideas and stuff um and so I had to wake up early to make cookies, and so I threw it on. And Why did the, you have to wake up early to make cookies? Well, because, so, my sister goes to college in a town close to where we live, and my fiancé and I, Andrew, had to run stuff down to her today. Mm. Um, and we needed to leave at a decent time so we could get home at a decent time kind of thing. So I woke up early because I am a waitress on Friday nights. So I didn't have time to do it after work. So yee. So I had to wake up early because she requested them. But so I was watching Say Yes to the Dress. And there was a gay couple that came in to say yes to the dress. And they like, um, they separated them so they wouldn't see it. One of the girls was wearing a dress. The other one wanted like a jumpsuit. And at the end, they like blindfolded them and had them stand next to each other so both of their families could see them next to each other. And everyone was like so happy and it was so cute. And it was very heartwarming and I loved it. I was like, yay. <laughs> I thought a lot about, in fact, I was just thinking about this the other day about what I would want to wear to my wedding. That's obviously a long way off because I don't even have a girlfriend. But like whether I'd want to wear a dress or whether I would want to wear a jumpsuit type thing or I've never actually worn a suit, but like a suit. Mm. I think right now my my brain leans toward dress, but I have also at both of my graduations I decided to wear pants, both yeah. my high school and my college graduation. I was like, this, I'm not wearing a dress. Yeah, I was about to say, your jumpsuit that you had for graduation was rockin'. Yeah. And it was funny, because that you said, the fact that you said, oh, I'd kind of be more inclined to wear a dress. Not that you wouldn't look beautiful in a dress, because you would, but it, but I think maybe because I've seen you rock so many awesome, like, jumpsuits that I feel like you could, like, rock her also a really good one when you get married, so. Yeah, I I think I could, but the question is, do I want to? Yeah. Because, like, it's not like I haven't worn dresses before. Like, I love the dress I wore to prom. I have Mm -hmm. this dress that I wore to multiple formals throughout college that I absolutely love, and I don't know. It's not like I'm opposed to dresses or that I don't feel comfortable in dresses, and I know that's, for some lesbians, that's the thing that happens just because of what their style choices are but I I don't know I've kind of always had this mentality it actually started in high school when I um was like just struggling with my sexuality and I was looking for something to wear to graduation and 
I was like, this is going to be my first small act of coming out and I'm not going to wear a dress to graduation. That was like what it was to me. I was like, this is me coming into a new identity. So mm-hmm. I want to look different from everyone else in the graduation lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for the most part, you can't tell because you have a graduation robe on anyways, but like for pictures and stuff. That's really cool. I wore pants. So I don't know. Maybe I'd want to be kind of rebellious on my wedding too. Maybe. But who knows? Overall, I would just want to look good next to my my partner. So cute. I can't wait till everyone gets married. Like to see it. I think that's the one cool thing about adulthood is that once your friends like start getting married, it's fun to see everyone's different like styles and tastes come out and I think something you don't realize until you go to events like that is the deep history and the kinds of people your friends have in their lives. Like you hear about them and some people you don't even hear about. And then you go to a wedding and you meet these people. And it's just really cool to kind of see because all of us in each other's lives were like a chunk of their life. Mm -hmm. Like, we are friends because we went to college together. We were together for that chunk of our lives. But there were people that you were friends with, you know, in high school, back in your hometown. And then there are friends that we're going to meet like professionally in our work lives. And it's like cool to see all of those people like come together. It's like, oh, how do you know Annika? And then it's like, it's it's cool because everyone's there for one person. I think it's really, it's beautiful, I guess if you want to be sappy about it. Speaking of um, adult lives, I learned today that Morgan has a niece and that his sister has been pregnant for nine months and I haven't known about it and that his sister also gave birth two weeks ago and I didn't know about it. I'm like, boy, I'm supposed to be your best friend. Yeah, he's an uncle now. That's weird. As of two weeks. Yeah, isn't that weird? I don't feel like we're old enough to be... Well, I mean, but again, if you come from a family where, like, maybe you have a sibling that's, you know, there's just a lot of use, there's a lot of space between siblings, or if you just straight up have a sibling that's, like, quite a bit older than you, like... Or a half-sibling. True. Because I, well, I mean, I knew people in high school, like, my peers in high school that were aunts or uncles, Mm -hmm. because they had sisters or brothers that were so much older than them that they already Mm -hmm. had kids or I mean some people do have kids younger it doesn't necessarily you know like I have a set of cousins their oldest kids are in their like very late 20s maybe early 30s I'm not 100% sure I'm not gonna lie to you and then their youngest kid is still in high school and he my cousin who is their youngest he was an uncle when he was in like middle school (laughs) yeah because his siblings were that much older than him and they started having yeah. kids, like, kind of early, mid-20s. So he was, like, he was a kid himself. As an only child, that's not a feeling I'll ever feel. I'll never, well, I, I'll get to be an aunt through marriage, probably. Unless I marry another only child. Oof. But I've always felt bad for my future kids, if I choose to have kids. Because they'll never really, like, they won't have a big family. You know, I don't really have a big family, but I at least have cousins on each side Mm -hmm. because both of my parents have a sibling. 
But I think that's the beauty of also having, I think everyone hopes to have certain friends that are longtime friends that you keep in your life to the point where your kids like think that they're their mm-hmm. aunts and uncles. Like I honestly, I honestly hope that my kids one day like actually think you're one of their aunts and that's so cute. Like they'll be like, Oh, like is aunt Annika going to come visit us? I'm like, Oh, she's not technically your aunt, but yes, she's coming to the, you know what I mean? Like it's those little I things. I feel like that- aunt Annika sounds weird. Like that's not like, I feel like it's too many A sounds. I don't know. Well, if it's Al, my it's also Aunt, aunt Al. <laughs> I don't know. My aunt, the names of my aunts all feel very natural. That's I true. don't know. Like Aunt Marsha. Like, I feel like that's very, like. Well, but I think that's a generational thing. So, like, I have an Aunt Teresa. I have mm. an Aunt Pam. Like, <laughs> Aunt Pam. Aunt oh my Pam. god. Uh, I also have Aunt Jennifer. That feels very natural. I have Aunt Marilyn. Ooh. That's a really good one. So I feel like because generationally, like those names, like they feel appropriate because, it, you know, every generation kind of has its popular names where, like, I can't think of like Aunt Ashley or Aunt. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what are other popular exactly. like basic girl names. I don't Aunt Brittany. Yeah, like Aunt Chloe. If you have those names, we're not hating on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just I think, I it don't sounds think my weird. Name sounds good as an aunt either. Like, uh, yeah, Aunt Olivia. No, Aunt Liv. Liv. Ooh, that's good. Or like, what are my kids gonna call my sister Mallory? Like Aunt Mallory. Aunt Mal. Mal. I would go Aunt Mal. Mal. Well, but then they might get confused if Alex is still around and I call, because Alex, who you guys haven't met yet, I, mean, I call her Al. Aunt Al, Aunt Mal. Mal. That might get you confusing for young them, children. You could have one of them call them Auntie. You could be Aunt Mal and, like, Auntie Al. Uh, I would, oh. I kind of like Auntie Annika, because then there's another sub- syllable celebrating the Anne and Anne. That's I think that's what true. sounds weird to me, is that it's like Aunt Annika. Yeah, that's true. Like it sounds better to be like Auntie Annika. Well, and then that would specify for my children specifically, like, Aunt Mal is your actual aunt. Mm-hmm. And, and then your aunties. And your aunties aren't your aunts, but I mean, they might as well be, you know? Yeah. Um... Should we start the podcast? Yeah, 10 years later. I know. No, what if, we, what if one day we don't even start it? We just talk. The whole, the whole podcast is our intro. And everyone's like, they didn't even... <laughs> we they really didn't. thought this was a good idea when we started this podcast to like talk before our intro, but now our intro just keeps getting like later and later in the podcast. <laughs> And then by the time we get to some of our segments, like we're like, well, there's like right. two minutes left. Um, hello to our lovely, lovely listeners. This is You Can Live Anytime. I'm Olivia. And I'm Annika. And I'm a practicing gay, which will come into consideration later on in this podcast. But we have something to do right now, which is mustard and ketchup. I'll start. <laughs> 
That was fantastic. <laughs> Annika's really ready to tell us what's going on. <laughs> I've had a very traumatizing day and I need to talk about it. Okay, go. So please. Let us I know. came home from work last night and the floor in my bathroom was like all wet. And my first thought was that it was from something that happened last night where I was, my sink has been clogged a little bit. And so I thought that it was some, like the water that kind of spilled over from my sink from last night, but it wasn't because I very soon noticed that my ceiling was dripping. And so I filed a maintenance report because I was like, okay, the ceilings have dripped before, like, and nothing has happened to them for like a little while. So I'm probably okay. I'll just file a maintenance report and hope that they get to it tomorrow or even like early next week. It wasn't like a big deal. It was kind of not in a place that was like, you know, awkward for it to be dripping. And I went to bed. And by the time I went to bed, things had stopped dripping in my bathroom. And then I woke up this morning and there was a new drip directly above my toilet, which means that when I got out of bed because I had to go pee this morning, I was dripped on while I peed. But then I was like, I'm not going to make it through the day with this drip going on. And so I called the maintenance office and I was like, this is happening. I just want you to know. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll talk to maintenance. And maintenance's response was, we'll look into it. And then a completely different part of my ceiling that hadn't been dripping directly over my shower while I was eating breakfast fell down it was like a two foot by two foot square that just fell down and so I called I called the front office again and I was like hi I really need someone to come fix this like uh there is ceiling in my shower and I need to take a shower because I haven't showered in a while and so anyways like it was a little while after that. It was still like 30 minutes after that. And I was really having to go pee and I didn't want to go pee again because then I was going to get dripped on and it was like yellowy water. It was disgusting. Oh no. And so then finally this guy came in and he drained out my ceiling of all of the water that was in it. And he, right now there are like trash bags that are hung up in my bathroom, but we have contractors coming in that are going to, replace basically the entirety of my bathroom ceiling um because it needs that did they find out where all the water was coming from yeah they did so apparently yesterday friday like during the day um from 9 a.m to 3 p.m the building shut the water off for like maintenance on water or whatever and it seems to be that two floors above me on the 11th floor so i live on the ninth floor the 11th floor apartment had put their faucet in an on position while the water was turned off and then like left the water was turned back on at 3 p.m and their faucet was on and so it was just like a whole bunch of water in their bathroom i didn't get the full story but it seems like that was that was what the problem was and so two floors up flooded and my ceiling fell down so I can't imagine the damage of the apartment above me yeah it's only one floor down that's really gross so and horrible yeah 
So can you take a shower? I can take a shower. I'll probably make it a very quick shower because it's like, I don't know, it kind of grosses me out to have just the trash bag hanging above me. Yeah. I feel like, mm-hmm. is it weird to say it almost feels cla- claustrophobic because it's like, I mean, I don't know. There's not a time where there should be a trash bag in your shower, so that makes sense. I don't know. It just, maybe it feels sketchy is like the right word to use. Yeah. yeah. So that's what's happening in my life. What's happening in your life? Um, you went to visit your sister today at college. Yeah, I did. It was good to see her. She, I like to call her um, a beautiful idiot sometimes. And that's not me being me. She's, my sister is a very intelligent person. She just, I think it's very much, she's just my younger sister and she does stuff that I'm like, why didn't you think of that? And I'm like, and it's just something I like jokingly say to her. I'm like, oh, you're a beautiful idiot sometimes. (laughs) And um, so she, she signed her lease for her apartment at college sight unseen. Oh, so she hadn't seen the actual apartment yet. No, she saw one like it. Mm. And, but she, they were like, oh, all the ones that you would be having are filled. So we can't show you. And I'm like, every apartment should have one that you can walk through. That will be at least, at least. Yeah. Um, long story short, they've just run into a lot of maintenance problems. Well, one, they showed up to the apartment. It wasn't cleaned from the last tenant's. It comes pre-furnished. My sister's mattress wasn't even in the apartment. Like, so Mm. we didn't get off to a good start. So Andrew and I, because, you know, we both work full-time jobs, we go to bed at a pretty decent time. Um, And my sister called us in the middle of the week. It was like 1, 1 1.30 in the morning. And I didn't answer my phone because I couldn't hear it. But the way Andrew's phone, like, sit it's always kind of like it's not in our bed but it's like very close to it there's like there's like a little ledge that goes around the whole bed and he doesn't have a bedside table I don't it's the way our room is set up it's kind of weird and so his phone like rests on that ledge so she called him and so like we could feel the vet the bed vibrating and Andrew was like we were both like you know that sleepy delirious and we were like he was like, it's Mallory. And he answered it. And he's like, Hey, what's up? And I could hear Mallory before I got on the phone and she was like sobbing. And she was like, are you with Olivia? She asked to answer that all the time. I'm like, we live together. It's one in the morning. Where else would I be Mallory? (laughs) Um, But I guess she had taken a shower and her whole bathroom flooded. It flooded (gasps) into her room. Do you remember when our sophomore year, our toilet flooded? sophomore year junior no junior year yes i do remember that our toilet flooded and al was downstairs talking to some boy her boyfriend at the time i think and you and i were upstairs trying to like control the water and we were like al do you want to help out and she was like we were like thanks bud love you (laughs) i don't think she actually listens to this podcast some some friend but (laughs) <laughs> she won't hear us throwing us throwing her under the bus you know we all have moments that aren't our brightest I definitely have those things where it's, I don't always make the best decisions and I don't I know. we all do it I know it, I was like upstairs freaking out 
And I was like, help. help. And I, I think I was down in my room. I was living in the basement. So I like came all the way upstairs and I was like, I guess it was a weird situation because you, and maybe they just didn't hear us. And I've never gotten the full story if she didn't hear us, which would be weird because we were all screaming and grabbing. She yelled at us. She was like, do you guys got it? Do you need help? And we were like, maybe. And she was like, okay, I'll be down here. (laughs) Well, then again, there was that time where Al said that she could get a bug off my wall in the basement and she fell off the furniture and yeeted it like over to us that's a whole nother story we've all done things that aren't our best no shade no shade at all um but so my sister like was sobbing like crying and she Mm -hmm. was like I don't know what to do like she was really stressed and just overwhelmed and it was just it was very much one of those moments you know where you're kind of at an emotional breaking point and she's like I need you I want you to be here like I don't know what to do like so we like talked on the phone for a little bit and um, I got off the phone and Andrew immediately was like, we need to go see her this weekend, don't we? And I was like, yeah. So, um, but I needed to, my parents needed to get some stuff to her anyway. So it all worked out. And so we were down there for a little bit and said hi and saw the apartment. They've made it very homey. So that's pretty good. So I did that mm-hmm. today. Um, other than that, it's been pretty uneventful. <sighs> Yeah, nothing really. I think learning how to get into a routine of work is very weird. Yeah. I think I think I didn't realize how ever-changing school was. Like, it felt mundane at the time, but, like, you're constantly working on different assignments, challenging your brain in different ways, where work is, like, you have one job. Yeah. And you do this and one you- job over and over again. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes you get new, like new projects or new assignments or whatever, yeah. but it's like the same basic steps and process, and it's not like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It's not as dynamic. I get it, bro, dude. Crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Do we have anything for Oh Snap? We forgot. I don't think so. We just talked about the Umbrella Academy, which was good. I can't think We're of anything. Continue talking about the Umbrella Academy so we don't if we forgot anything last week, maybe it'll just come up. True. We're just gonna bring it right back up, y'all. Yeah. So I'm gonna we're gonna start our topic today with a an abbreviated Umbrella Academy talk. So we are giving you Umbrella Academy part two. Once again, I'll remind you there are spoilers that might come up, obviously for both season one and season two and then we're going to diverge in a a related but different direction Mm. so I have a couple topics that I really want to talk about as far as Umbrella Academy goes Mm -hmm. and the first one is the soundtrack it's Mm. a good soundtrack isn't it and I think part of what makes it so good is that it isn't always what you expect. Yes. I think my favorite example of this is literally season one, episode one, where five ends up in the donut shop and all of those assassins come for him. And then it starts playing Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yes. By they might be giants. And so he's murdering, like, six people, 
who are trying to murder him with machine guns. And the song is like, Istanbul and the Constantinople, that it's Istanbul and the Constantinople, that it's Istanbul. So, so, so. They put the oddest songs in the oddest places, but it works. Yeah. You're like, why is this super happy up-tempo song about, like, a city in Turkey make sense uh, for this giant murder scene? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like we talked about, uh, I think we briefly mentioned um, in the episode last week, season two, iconic Backstreet Boys, everybody. Uh, is that the actual name of the song? I don't know. Yeah, it's called Everybody, but then it has parentheses and it's something else. Okay, so. Yeah, it's called Everybody, parentheses, Backstreet's Back. Oh, Yeah. Um, like, they play that during a really awesome fight scene. Like, that's not something, that's not a song you think to put in the middle of a fight scene. Yeah, they also play I Was Made for Loving You in the middle of a fight scene. It's the one where Diego and Five and Lila are at the Mexican consulate and the Sia Mafia oh, shows yeah. up. That's what they call it. It's them. like, I was made for loving you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, killing each other. Oh, so if you guys follow us on social media, which you should, you noticed we posted some Umbrella Academy memes. I just want to interject this only because Andrew is constantly deep into Reddit and most of the time I read it over his shoulder because it's very interesting. And the Umbrella Academy memes are already on Reddit. And if Reddit's gotten a hold of them, they're going places. Yeah, that's a pr- it's a pretty good meme format. While we're on the memes that we made, I want to give a quick shout out to Maria, uh-huh. who helped me make the memes. Her brilliant mind helped me brainstorm them, and also we used her meme app to create the meme format. So thanks, Maria. Thank you. Shout out for helping. She is what we would call a friend of the podcast. A friend of the pod. Oh, I also, I listened to the this podcast yesterday about behind the scenes of Umbrella Academy mm-hmm. and they were talking about how they were scoring some of this stuff during lockdown obviously kind of at the beginning of lockdown so they used some like songs that were written in the past like actual songs by mm-hmm. actual artists and then they use some that are scored like just for the Umbrella Academy and usually they would have an orchestra record these mm-hmm. songs all together in a studio but quarantine happened and they were having to record this score piece by piece and lay everybody's recordings over each other really so like the entire i think it's the los angeles orchestra or something mm-hmm. the entirety of the los angeles orchestra played their score pieces by themselves and then they were put together like all in audio editing yeah oh that would take forever yeah and isn't that crazy Mm -hmm. well okay so fun fact I used to be in orchestra oh I guess we kind of touched on this because we Andrew and I met in orchestra um learning just how to play together in person is hard yeah now granted everyone please let's understand that I do not have extensive orchestra experience I am by no means (laughs) an expert of any sorts but making sure that every section gets proper timing even 
together can be difficult, especially mm-hmm. when you're learning music and to make sure you're on the right time to be able to overlay everyone's individual recording. Mm-hmm. That would take a lot of time. That crazy. forever. Yes. Very talented. Yeah. I guess let's wrap up this music thing. So we, we, we talk a little bit about how it does, it juxtaposes a lot, mm-hmm. like what's happening in the scene versus mm-hmm. what the song is saying. But there are also a lot of really good moments where they like match up perfectly. For, for like a second, we talked last week about um, the Butthole Surfers song that's like literally perfect for the scene mm-hmm. or there's that song where Klaus is like becoming a cult leader mm-hmm. and the song is like Sonny yes it is. oh yeah that's a good one yeah that's like literally perfect for what's going on in the scene mm-hmm. um oh there's one where Pogo goes to outer space and mm-hmm. the song is literally called Countdown and then, like, as the rocket is taking off, the song goes, three, two, one, and then the, mm-hmm. the rocket takes off. Mm-hmm. It's just completely perfect, and I don't, like, I am struggling to find any other t- TV show, any other series at all that has the same kind of scoring logic. But I think that's what makes it different, because, okay, example, Andrew doesn't watch Umbrella Academy, but, like, I would be watching it and he'd walk into the room or something like that and he'd hear the music choices and he became at least more intrigued with it because of the music choices which I thought was really kind of fun because I think when you and granted the world will continue to grow and media will continue to grow with it but I'm talking about TV and film and music and the way professionals compose all of those things together to convey emotions to an audience. Mm -hmm. It's how different can you get and how do we up that level? And I think the reason, you know, as you talked about, it's a really good point to talk about is it's a very, very different approach to what you would see in lot, even a wide range of media. I think it's very different from anything mm-hmm. you're probably seeing. So up to this point, because I think that's something a lot of people have commented on. So yeah. Okay. So the other little thing I want to dive into before we leave the Umbrella Academy train is good versus bad and where the line blurs. And I'll give you an example. Okay. Luther in season one has a mentality that he's number one because mm-hmm. he is. His father gave him the number one. And so because he's number one, he should make all of the decisions. He should be a leader. And all of this, like the fate of the world rests on his shoulders, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, after Vanya slices Allison's throat, mm-hmm. she doesn't die. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> um, Luther decides that what he wants to do, what he thinks is the best for the world, what will save the world, is to lock Vanya up in 
this cage downstairs. And he literally sees this as an act of good because he's protecting other people from what she could do because he's seen what she did to Allison. Mm -hmm. And we know how that turns out. Mm -hmm. She gets so angry that she burns their entire house down and then starts an apocalypse. Yeah. So, like, I would argue that the apocalypse is Luther's fault. Because if Luther had treated her with kindness instead of, like, thinking so much about the good of the world, think about, like, her good, Mm -hmm. you know. So, like, where does that line of good versus evil start and stop? It's a very good question. Another character that I think you can, I mean, you can look at this with Five, too. Mm -hmm. Five is literally an assassin. Mm -hmm. And so he's killed hundreds of people. But the entire time that he was an assassin, he was doing this for the commission for a five-year term because he wanted to get back to his family. And as soon as he did, he tried to save the world from an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So his, his kind of like mentality was, yeah, I have to kill hundreds of people, but it's all in exchange for hundreds of millions of people that I'll save when I stop the apocalypse well I think that's hard because when you start asking that question in regards to life itself and the things that we are experiencing as a society in the United States and people all around the world it becomes blurry because there's a there's a very large difference between what is good for the individual and what is good for all And I think like, I mean, it's a really good example in Luther's case where he was trying to make a decision that would be best for everyone to try to protect everyone in the world from Vanya, but it backfired on her because he completely disregarded her. Yeah. And in that instance, you kind of go, well, that's when you go to teamwork and decisions like that can't be made can't be made by one person because there, I mean, there are so many times in my life where I say, hey, we should do this. And somebody's like, well, what about this angle? Have you thought about this? And I'm like, no, I didn't think about that at all. Like, mm-hmm. we all don't think alike for a reason. But in the example of five, he's doing this job for the greater good of his family because he knows what's going to happen. And it's that whole thing of, do we aim to be, I don't know, is it every man for himself? Is it not? I mean, I, oh. I think it's every man for himself when it comes to protecting yourself. And what I mean by that is that people who are too good, always thinking about other people, often become so tired because they never say no and they never take time for themselves. And then that becomes toxic to the self. But I don't think that any other experience in life should be every man for himself. But at the same time, it shouldn't be every man for everyone, if that makes sense. Like, I think there's a difference between every man for the actual good, which is often focusing more on an individual. Mm -hmm. And that goes a little bit back to, like, the whole Luther should have focused on Vanya thing instead of trying to focus on everyone. But I think you can think of it in other ways, too, like, If a leader focuses on individuals and makes multiple people feel included and respected, then they gain respect by everyone else. It's like a trickle-down effect. 
in that sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. At so I guess it's easier to look at it from the fact of the Umbrella Academy, where Luther thought the best thing to do would be locking away the problem. What he needed to do was actually focus on what he considered was the problem, which was Vanya, because if he actually paid attention to her and treated her the way she wanted to be treated, then that could have stopped what was starting to happen. But because when we're trying to solve a problem, I think one of Luther's big problems was his emotions got the best of him because he found out what Vanya did to Allison. To when, Allison. when in that moment, as viewers, we see that the minute it happened, Vanya completely was like, lost it. Like uh -huh. she was really emotional and was upset that she did that. Yeah. Right? So we know that wasn't something that she, uh, I don't want to say did on purpose. Like the minute it happened, she regretted it. And the whole interact, the whole exchange wasn't the way either of them, Allison and Vanya, intended it to be. And mm -hmm. so Luther would have put his emotions for Allison aside and talked to both of them and figured that out and put those puzzle pieces together. It would have been easier. But Luther was so upset because of his relationship with Allison, he let that get the better of him. And those emotions made that choice for him. I think I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning and I want to summarize it because I actually think that you, you said it really well, but I think it can be like expanded upon expanded upon or set in a different way mm -hmm. it's like you should face the problems and not lock them away mm -hmm. and hope they get figured out by themselves yeah and I think you can see that a lot with with society like our problem of systemic racism should be faced within the system that creates it as opposed to exploiting that system and hoping that eventually the protesters just go back to their house. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like something like when talking about uh, something I feel like I hear a lot in relationships where people are like, I don't get, like, I hear girls all the time saying, I don't get why he doesn't, he doesn't know that I want this. Like, how does he not know? Or in any relationship, I'm not saying heterosexual relationships specifically, but, and it's like, that person's not going to know through osmosis. Like mm -hmm. that problem is not going to figure itself out. You have to tell that person, this is what I want out of this relationship. This is, you know, whatever it is, because as human beings, of course we all hate confrontation. We don't want to face a problem head on because one, it's difficult to work out. Two, sometimes you have to express emotions that are difficult to someone, especially a person you care about or a colleague because we're afraid to hurt each other's feelings. Completely understandable. But if you don't sit down and look at the problem and face it and talk about it, and if we learn to graciously, because you can give people criticisms and you can say the things you need to say and not be mean about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's we don't have the patience or you don't want to have the patience to take the time to say the things you need to say in a loving way because it's hard. Mm -hmm. When you're angry, it's so, if when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're grumpy, like it is so hard to take a breath and go, I love you or I respect you professionally. We need to talk about this. Either A, it's been going on for a long time and it is not okay anymore. Or, Hey, I've noticed a couple of things. 
Like, what can we do to change it? No matter what, it's hard. Mm -hmm. But if you care about the people that you work with, that you care about, like, we all owe it to each other to take a step back, take a breath, and do what we need to do. Because kind of going back to your original question, if we don't have the ability to see everything from every angles and make those snap judgments, I know that's the way we're built. But if you, in Luther's case, if you take a second to take a step back and go, let's look at it from every angle, he would have made a way better decision. Mm -hmm. And if he would have had the love and the patience to talk to not only Allison and make sure she was okay, but also talk to Vanya and listen to her and hear her out, you know, okay. Segue into your, into my final topic. (sighs) This is all about confronting your problems. And by your problems, I mean Ellen Page's problems. And by Ellen Page's problems, I mean the problems of the entire LGBTQIA community. So <laughs> let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Me, I became obsessed with Umbrella Academy. Me, I got to season two and there was a lesbian relationship. Me, I started doing research on lesbian actress who plays a lesbian in the show because I like lesbians. Me. Found out. Okay, question. Do you remember? Because I knew who Ellen Page was before I started watching Umbrella Academy only because of that speech she did at the human rights campaign where she came out. Do you remember that speech? I kind of remember it. And I know I've seen Ellen Page in other, I don't know, movies or media, but I can't like pinpoint exactly what I've seen her in. Her very first movie was Juno. She was apparently in Inception. She was in- Yes, she was in Inception. And then she has done a lot of indie films. She was in Mm -hmm. um, Flatliners. Mm -hmm. This is all from my research. (laughs) Um, My Days of Mercy which is another lesbian film. Freeloaders, which is another lesbian film. (laughs) We love that she's giving the lesbians content. We do. But anyways, the project that I landed on was this docu-series that she did for Vice TV called Gaycation. And it sounds fun like if I say gaycation to you what do you like think of I think of uh gay couples looking for the best vacation spots in the world and then they go and they experience it and they show you it that's what I think like I just imagine all these different couples like going on like all these touristy trips and then being on the beach and being like this is great food stuff like this is romantic uh 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 you know what I mean yeah, Sorry. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And that's kind of what I thought it might be too. But that's absolutely not at all what it is. <laughs> so what so is basically, it? <laughs> so basically, <laughs> Ellen Page was like, I'm going to travel all over the world, but also throughout the United States, because the United States has issues too, with my best friend, Ian, who's a gay man. And we're going to figure out what life is like as a gay person in different areas of the world. And now getting to your confrontation part, Mm -hmm. when they go to these places, they're looking at the pros and the cons. Mm. So they, this is the kind of thing that goes back to the confrontation point that you made. And this is 
like literally I watched some of these scenes and I like my mouth was hanging open in shock because they confront people who are very anti-LGBTQ for example in Brazil they had a meeting with this guy who is a contract killer for LGBTQ people in Ukraine they talked with the leader of an of a Nazi organization who like one of their statements that like holds their party is killing LGBT people. Oh my God. Yeah. They told, they told the contract killer in Brazil that both of them were gay. And then they were like, do you think it would be better if both of us were dead? And then he kind of like retracted on his statements because he realized that like what he had been saying earlier was like affecting these people and he was like well you can live your life over there like i i don't like it for me and i was like but you just you literally just said that if lgbtq people cross your path you kill them so like anyways they did this a lot they i don't know i kind of also remember this being in the news this was like multiple years ago this was in 2016 when the presidential campaigns were happening Mm -hmm. the 2016 presidential campaigns and she went to a ted cruz rally Mm -hmm. and she debated ted cruz it was it was at the iowa state fair she like Mm -hmm. debated ted cruz in front of a whole crowd of people and of course people caught it on camera and then it like went viral on the internet Mm -hmm. and I like kind of remember that happening too but Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was for the show Mm -hmm. oh they went to Jamaica Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't think I at least I wouldn't think of like Jamaica as a place that would be like very Mm anti-LGBT it was kind of a revelation for me that the Rastafarian I guess is is it a religion is it a way of life um I actually, I'm not sure. I haven't done enough research, so I do not want to say because I don't want to assume. Anyways, Rastafarians are actually very anti-LGBTQ, which you, like, wouldn't expect. Mm -hmm. And so there are, there's a, a lot of homeless trans people, homeless gay people, and a lot of them are subject to violent attacks. Mm-hmm. One of the people they met down there had, like, a very recent bullet wound, like, in them, and multiple of them had acid burns just, like, all over their body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, it's definitely a very, it was a big learning experience for me, because I have to say, I have been very privileged with my coming out story. Mm-hmm. And being able to be accepted, even though I am from the deep south, as you might call Texas. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I never questioned that my parents would accept me. I never questioned that my friends would accept me. Um, I think along on that note, and something that we've been talking about a lot um, over the past few months and what's going on in the United States, the world and people are sadly prone to hate and as much things they don't understand yes and as much as our 
country and pockets of people, um, we all have a lot of learning to do and we have a lot of growth we need to do in this country. There are still a lot of places all around the world where those sorts of things are happening. Um, and I think it's just, it's important that we talk about those things. And again, we face those problems because we need to know things like that are happening. And whether it's, you know, people who actively kill LGBTQ people or even just, you know, people that still go through those things where their families won't accept them and don't believe them. And it's everyone, I don't really, I don't know, I guess I'm at a little bit of a loss for words. Um, you know. It's sad. It is. It's deeply upsetting. And I just want to throw it out there that as a Christian myself, it's deeply upsetting that many of these people use the Bible as a reason for hatred. Mm -hmm. Because there are a couple verses throughout the Bible that can be translated to mean something close to homosexuality. But if you look at the thing is about the Bible is that it has been translated literally so many times that what we read today often isn't what was actually written in the original Hebrew. Or it's probably it was probably written in Hebrew, right? Uh, Greek? Hebrew? Oh, oh, I'm not 100% sure. Whichever language it was written in first, it wasn't English. And it wasn't German, where no. a lot of our English translations came from. Yes. And it, it was... There is a really, really great TikTok I came across. It was posted on Twitter. And it was this um, gentleman who identified himself as gay. I believe his pronouns are he, him. And he literally said what you were just saying and how the actual the word homosexual does not exist in the bible it does not mm -hmm. and the stories that are told where um someone in the bible is being punished um and i'm forgetting the exact story i don't Levit i can't tell well, you a lot of people use leviticus um i think chapter 13 and a lot of people also use the story of sodom and gomorrah I don't know what story it is, but I know he was talking about how it's the story, um, it's a man and a younger boy, but it's not the fact that they're both men. It's because- It's pedophilia. Yes. And that is what he is being punished for. And that mm -hmm. is what the Bible is highlighting is wrong and not the fact. So, yeah. Yeah. There is a Leviticus verse that says- man shall not lie with another man as he does with a woman. But then again, if you want to take that verse and you want to use it against other people, you have to look at all of the other verses in that book. Mm -hmm. And you also have to take those into consideration. One of them is that a woman can't leave her house while she's on her period until she sacrifices two doves to cleanse herself. One of them is that you can't poop in your house. You have to be at least X amount of feet away. They call it a camp, but you have to be at least X amount of feet away to poop. And all of these laws here, no, here's what it is. All of these laws in Leviticus were made at a time when God's people were 
after they left Egypt from slavery, yes, where they were trying to be the healthiest they could be and create as many babies as they could so that they could multiply God's people. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not the case. Guys, we, we got too many people. <laughs> we got too many people, A. B, so much of our society has evolved in different ways mm. to, to take over these other problems that were created that the Jews who were following God had. So why can't, why can't we solve the issue of homosexuality? We solve the issue of poop in the house. We solve the uh, issue of women on their periods. <laughs> Where, where's the hang up on homosexuality? Like, why are we? Here's, here's one of my biggest things is I'm like, why do you care so much about something that doesn't have anything to do with you? Because it has something to do with God. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I promise you, God don't, uh, he don't give a crap, okay? Like, and I, I'm not, okay, please let me state that everyone has the right to their own beliefs, and I, <sighs> everyone believes what they believe, and I am not, I'm trying to be, all I'm saying is, is that, Annika, I support you, I support the community, I believe that everyone has the right to be and believe what they want. And if you want... But your belief shouldn't affect the life of someone else. Yes. Just because, like, why do, like, if you, so, okay, let's say that somebody's like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like the average person knows, like, if you're not gay, that we're not saying you have to be gay, right? Right? We're not... We're not gonna... Like, I'm not out here trying to convert other people to gayism. Yeah, gayism. <laughs> so, okay, let's say that everyone knows that, right? Um, <laughs> is it, like, do they just hate, like, looking at people being gay? And, or, like, I just... And they think it's sinful. Well, but I think a lot of these people, their thought is still, it's a choice. You're making a sinful choice. I disagree with that sinful choice. Well, did you not make the choice to be heterosexual? Well, but see, they see that as normal. Uh, 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 I am uh, my my brain. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brain can't. Oh, I can't. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh my gosh. And no. Ted Cruz is trying to take us back to our traditional family values of man and woman and seven children in the house. Okay, but uh, uh, not to be, um, I, I'm, this statement isn't me trying to be inappropriate, but okay, example, even in heterosexual relationships, there isn't a guidebook to uh, what you do when you're being intimate with each other, right? Some people might deem what you do weird or not normal, but if you like it, you still want to do it, right? What? Maybe I think your outfit with your, I don't know, your weird shoes and your weird shirt, I don't like it. I would never do it. But if you like it, good for you. You know what? You do you, sweetie. So why? I just, why can't we leave each other alone? Just like, yeah. Like, okay, here's my thing, and I, mm, I, this isn't me trying to be negative towards other people's opinions, and you know what? I would love to sit down and hear from someone who maybe 
has difficulties understanding or however you want to phrase it with the LGBTQ community, I would love to sit down and talk to someone and actually hear their thoughts and opinions because I personally don't understand it. And maybe, maybe it's because we just all say, I don't understand it. And I'm not going to talk to the opposite side. I don't know. I'm trying to go out here on a limb, right? Because my brain, I can't. I have a point. Please. I have a point. I think a lot of these people actually haven't really interacted with gay people on a friends and human level. And here's my example. So season one, Queer Eye, we meet a police officer. I don't know if you remember this episode, a police officer who's getting a makeover and he's like literally never met a gay person. He spends a week with these five gay men. Mm -hmm. And now I heard this on Jonathan Van Ness's podcast. I think he quit his job as a police officer is running for state office as a Democrat with LGBTQ policies, like as one of his like things that he's campaigning on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he definitely did not think highly of the LGBTQ community when the Queer Eye guys came into his space. But once he had them on a human level mm-hmm. and he saw that gay people are just other humans and that they have you know the desire to live their life as they see fit and they're like him in so many more ways than they're unlike him Mm -hmm. it really just changed his mind and so I think a lot of people I think a lot of people it's just a lack of knowledge on the the subject yeah a lack of experience it's it's so different for someone to talk about people and how they identify whether it's lgbtq or you know people depending on you know their race their ethnicity their cultures you can make every assumption you want but until you're looking at someone in the face who identifies you know or are you know whatever culture or race they are like to actually look at them and meet them and it's a completely different story mm-hmm. so that is a good point sorry i just I get a little angy because I, I do too. You should watch the show though. I think you would like it in like a hatred way. In a hatred way. Well, you know me, I'm always looking to do stuff. Oh, also I would like to shout out, actually this might be a good episode um, on the lines of LGBTQ um, stuff, a show on Netflix that I think hits not areas deep like yours, but I think it hits topics that many different people go through and experience um, in the LGBTQ and even just heterosexual people. Uh, I'm just, um, sex education is fantastic. Good show. It highlights and it's geared, all the characters are high school kids and it's them all learning how to be friends and interact and find love and what, yeah, what have sex, learn about their bodies, what their sexualities are, but it is, yes they're in high school but I think it applies to everyone and that there are so many things going on there are the show develops the characters so well and we continue to learn layers and I think it's really really refreshing to one see a show that talks about sex and sex education so positively um I am someone who personally believes that like we all attend biology class and we learn all about our systems but our reproductive organs always get 
on the back burner because nobody wants to talk about it. Like there's still parts of mm-hmm. our bodies. I personally want to know how, you know, my stuff works. Like that's just me. So it's very nice to have that. But I also think the complexity of the characters and their different stories brings a lot of really wonderful light to some of these topics. And yeah, there are a couple scenes where they're like, so not cringy. They're just like, they're awkward. Oh, they're awkward. And they're kind of like, you just feel embarrassed. Yeah. It's, it's well-made the character like the character development and i learned something about sex a lot of things about sex from it also everyone if you go to high school um if you're able to go to a university take a sex education class if you're in a health class anywhere in the world and sex education is not on your roster ask your teachers about it be like why are you not teaching me about every part of my body i if you're into that and you want to know like do it do it. Oh, also shout out, sorry, another sidebar. If you don't have access to education like that, and if you have a computer and you can get on YouTube, uh, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting her name. I think it's Dr. Doe. Mm, she I is a so. wonderful sex educator. She has hundreds of videos with about any question you could ask, and she talks about it in a very professional, healthy, positive light. Yeah, sorry. There are multiple creators on YouTube similar to her Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know any off the top of my head to give you guys names, but I know there are, so explore, explore your options if that's something you, you need education on, mm-hmm. but. Sorry, sidebar. Yeah, closing thoughts, and then we'll, we'll close this podcast out. I think, I guess I have two, like, personal stories that are a little bit along the lines like the two times I was most afraid to come out to the people around me mm-hmm. the first time was the first summer I worked at summer camp and I worked at a Christian summer camp and even though the denomination of this specific summer camp was ELCA which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America which was the as far as I know the first church to allow gay pastors within their denomination they mm-hmm. when the supreme court passed the marriage equality bill they also passed the ability for their pastors to preside over lgbtq weddings mm-hmm. so they're like overall the elca is very welcoming but you know other counselors and people don't always come from elca to work at this camp even though mm-hmm the campus affiliated with the ELCA Mm -hmm. and so it was so hard for like the first week because I was like not sure if I could tell people how they would react to me Mm -hmm. um and so finally I I didn't last very long because it literally felt like I was hiding a part of myself you know I had been out at college for a year Mm -hmm. and I it felt very freeing and so to kind of I literally lasted a week and then I had to, and when I say like I had to, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so there was, we were doing a Bible study during staff training and it, there was something along the lines of like communication and X, Y, and Z. And so I was like, well, you know, we might as well just say it now. And then I like broke down crying and I was like, I'm gay and then, but it was like, it was so nice because 
I really did feel embraced by that faith community. And I think that was super awesome. And then the next, the best thing was, is that the next year that I came back, everyone like already knew. And so it was just like a fun running joke and I didn't have to come out again. And then everyone just was like super cool about it. Mm -hmm. Well, the big inside joke was that there were a bunch of people who wanted me to train them to be lesbians, like other counselors, not campers, but they would be, (laughs) I remember one of my friends at the time was like, so like, do lesbians like this? Like, if I was going to be a lesbian, should I do this? Or like, (laughs) she was like, it's, hey, Foxy Mama, good pickup line for lesbians. (laughs) No, it's, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> never use that on a girl um, hey you never know I think if anyone walked up to me and said that I'd be like see if you came up to me and said that I'd immediately be intrigued I'd be like wow you're really bold what's up if someone walked up to me and said that I would be like why are you still using that terminology like why is foxy mama well, okay, I guess it depends on the vibe of the person. If someone's being super serious and saying it, then I'd be like, you're a creep. Also, I'm not saying that this will ever happen because now I am engaged to my favorite human on the world and nobody can say that to me or else he will get really upset. And um, What if I say that to you? Well, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> okay. The um, other time. Yes, go. That I was scared of coming out was I did a work-study class for university credit Mm -hmm. it's actually a tiny village outside of cape coast ghana and we worked with a large group of men from the community who their job was construction they were construction workers and we learned from them and we were able to help build this building so we worked with them we used their expertise and in the field of building and masonry and carpentry with without power tools and you know things that we're used to kind of in this country but it was also very much the middle of nowhere and it's the kind of place where me telling any one of these guys like that I was gay first of all I had no idea if they would know even what I was talking about Mm. like if that was even a concept that they had been introduced to and second of all I had no idea and still have no idea how they would react to that whether they would think it's okay and be cool with it or like whether it would have been a big no-no and then I would have been shunned from the construction site like I don't know and that has nothing to do with actual people that we were working with they were all incredible human beings and I learned so much from all of them but Mm -hmm. it's like I just don't know what the culture is around Mm -hmm. LGBTQ stuff Mm -hmm. so that was those are my two times that I was that I was scared of coming out and you know kind of for the reasons that we've been talking about in this podcast because I was scared of religious backlash and because it was a foreign country that I, I didn't know what their, their ideology was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, especially when you talk about mixing cultures and, and I think that kind of goes into what 
everything we've kind of been talking about today is that we were all raised with a set of values and we were all raised in cultures and we were all taught things, what to believe, what is accepted, what is not accepted. And learning about other people's cultures, why they have the beliefs they do. Do people go against their culture? Do people not? I think something that we, at least I take for granted, I need to remind myself of is, is that I was taught to be free thinking and that I was taught that I should do what makes me happy and I should believe what I want to believe. And not everyone is told that. A lot of people have very, very deep rooted cultures where there is a status quo. Mm -hmm. And that is how these systems of families work. And I think sometimes when we all grow up differently, you know, example, I think one of the things when talking about LGBTQ stuff, and as you kind of pointed out, like the deep South, where racism and anti-LGBTQ stuff is still at its peak, it's because people in those communities have been taught that for generations. Mm -hmm. And that's just me assuming on some basic stories that I've seen, you know, around the internet and in my own reading, and I'm not saying that's everyone at all. But there's a gaycation episode on the Deep South, and it goes to show a lot of these points. So yeah. have the, but again, going back to what you said, Annika, have people been exposed to LGBTQ people? Have people, has someone in their family gone against the status quo and said, maybe we should think about something differently? If you want to explore this, if you, you know, want to go to San Francisco and meet gay people, or if you want to go to, you know, there are so many different avenues you can go down with that idea, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the human experience. Well, I think we're leaving all of our listeners with a lot of things to think about. Mm. I would say if you're bored, which I know I still am a lot these days because you're still not supposed to be leaving your house unless you have to. Just want to like throw that out to people, <laughs> especially people at college. I know it's like fun to see all your friends and drink alcohol, but the coronavirus still exists. Anyways. So if you're bored, I suggest watching The Umbrella Academy and then watching Gaycation. It's on Vice TV, which I got as a like an app on my Roku. Just like the Vice app and all of the seasons are on there. There are only two seasons, not there aren't that many episodes at all. So I, I would do that. Oh, um, and we said sex education. Oh, we could do um, an episode on sex education, the show. Or sex education in general the education yeah um How that would have ourselves yeah yeah we that might have to be a couple episodes for me but um yeah guys oh on a other note uplifting uplifting i don't know i'm also going to mention again that i am deep into naruto it's on netflix it's so fun and it's a different culture like japanese culture and anime is wildly different from American cartoons. Like, it's really cool. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to say 
watch European women's soccer because now all of the U.S. players are playing over there. Hey. Hey. Uh, all right. Well, guys. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Like. You can live anytime. Mm-hmm. Like this podcast on Spotify. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Leave comments anywhere. Follow us. Subscribe. You know, whatever else you want to do, reach out to us. If you have stories about gays or vacations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, maybe we could work into, because we bring people onto the podcast, maybe if people are interested about being interviewed, if they have information or stories on topics we talk about, maybe we I could do interviews. Totally reach out to, to us. Yeah. yeah. If you guys identify with anything we're talking about, if you ever want to chat, yeah, reach out. We love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week for another episode Mm -hmm. with a guest, someone fun. And love you guys. Yeah. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.